When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Welcome back. Winning Plays Podcast. Brian Robb, Rich Levine, and Michael Pina is back with us for a very special episode. What's up, Mike? What's going on, guys? So wonderful to see your beautiful faces. It's been way too I, I was excited. Then I saw that you went on another Celtics podcast. I thought we were getting no. blessed with, with something, <laughs> something special. And then I'm like, oh, shit. He's just making the rounds. It's always special when I see you guys stop. Yeah, especially special B-Rod. The Celtics are actually look like a, an NBA basketball team again. Yeah, we're going to have to get to that later. Should we get to that now or later in the pod? Yeah, we'll let's, get, let's get to that. And that's what people want to hear. Yeah. You want, do they want to hear about Pina talking to KG? I think that's probably... Yeah, that's, you know, I can, you can get that any day. <laughs> so, so Pina, the reason that you're appearing and popping up on all these, these local, can we call them local uh, podcasts, big feature with Kevin Garnett came out in GQ. You know what's pretty cool? If you Google kg gq two like timelessly cool entities is now a story by you that pops up which is kind of cool well i this has been uh, a long time coming the story i mean i can't remember was that like was that this december when mike mike started the story i think in 2010 right like how was this (laughs) yeah yeah no it was actually even before that it was like I i was catching wind of him getting traded to the celtics and i reached out to his people it's like, listen, I'm in high school. Price, so. <laughs> I just got out of college here, and I think this would be a good idea. I think we could get get something going here. So um, it was last fall, right? You you took so, popped out a flight. I remember it was, it was COVID was still going strong. Yeah, it was October 2020 when I wow. first flew to Minneapolis, and then spent um, 48 hours in Minneapolis. First day was at his house. Second day was at George Floyd Square. Um, and then a few months later, we had a follow-up video call that was just me and him. You know, you guys know, like sometimes when you do video calls or interviews, there'll be like publicists of that nature. There'll be like publicists sitting in and it was just him. And I was so excited. And, um, he was like that video call. Uh, one of my all time great regrets is not, um, uh, recording my laptop screen because, it's tr- truly an all-time regret because he I, I have never laughed harder in my literally in my entire life than um throughout that it was like about 45 minutes he was like impossibly funny and i don't want to step on any of your questions but like every story that he told or a lot of the stories that he told that were actually that actually made the cut like the biggie story um the Kobe story. Do you think he where... actually? Do you think he really smoked weed with Biggie, or did he really turn it down? Like, do you... I think he turned it down. Yeah. I, why would he? I, why I, would he lie about that, right? Well, there's like a scene in the doc that I saw where he's in a recording studio with Snoop Dogg, and I, I mean, he's like a cannabis company, like venture going. I mean, he smokes weed now. That's just like what it is. But so, but back then was this like '97? I want to say. I don't think he was. He was smoking weed, but. That's, that's fair. Um, so though that video call was 
truly one of the most memorable experiences of my entire life. And he was eating grapes. It was, it was, it was like, I thought I was hit by a bus, um, like 15 <laughs> minutes before the interview started. It was so funny. So great. Green grapes or, or, or red? Red. <laughs> Only the tough questions here. <laughs> can you um, tell us what, can you tell us one of the, and you, you mentioned that there are many off the record stories that were told. Can you like give us a little taste of maybe one of those off the record stories? Or just ones that didn't um, make the cut too. Like yeah. you have a bunch that you wanted to put in, but you had to cut for length. I, I would say like, you know, the off the record stuff was always him commenting on current players and either just like giving his opinion on what was happening. Um, let's say with the Celtics in the bubble, he would um, describe to me why they lost to the Miami Heat in just a very um, expletive uh, laced mm. uh, monologue that was very entertaining. And then who do you think he blamed, B-Rob? <laughs> oh, I'm going to guess um, Gordon Bass. Bass. Yeah, Brandon Bass. Yeah, not turning down 20 big baby. <laughs> I would say. I would say, um, yeah, he was more pro heat than negative Nancy about the Celtics. I'll say that. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, it was like over a year ago and it was like 13 months ago when I was in his house, but yeah, man, he would just like tell like story, told stories about, um, uh, going in the club with Randy Moss and Dante Culpepper when he was in Minnesota and like what they would talk about and um, how long they would be at the club. <laughs> just like, it was, it was just like, it was so wild just to hear him talk. And I can't even begin to impersonate him because he's like the most singular human being on the planet and the way he emotes and the way he like the the way he like, twists language and makes up words in the middle of telling stories and like spits when he talks. It's just like, yeah, but it, he had, it was countless stories back, like one after the other, after the other. It was so great. So take us though for the, you know, I want to hear more about the, the backstory to this story. Like how did this come about? And for you, like going into this, like going to a guy's house and getting to spend a day with him, like what's your mindset going in and like, you obviously, he felt super comfortable with you, obviously, by the stories you got here. Like, how did that come about instantly? Or was that built over the course of the day, essentially, or the, the couple of days you guys were together? Right. So I'll just go back to the beginning. I mean, I was uh, at a contract with GQ to basically cover the bubble for them. So I, you know, wrote a ton of stories for GQ that were MBA related. And there were two opportunities that <clears throat> sprung about when I was under contract with them, which were um, a feature on Jalen Brown. They wanted to know if I would do that. And then they also wanted to know if I'd be interested in doing a story about KG because he had this documentary coming out. And initially the documentary was supposed to come out like half a year ago, I want to say, like a long time ago. And of course, I said yes to both. Uh, the planning for the KG story was very fluid. Um, it was, okay, we were going to go to, because it was dependent on what the documentary crew was going to be filming. And then I would just observe that and then have time with him. And I would just be able to kind of shadow him. But it was like, 
okay, uh, this is the weekend you're going to fly to Minneapolis because we're going to be filming his house. Oh, now he doesn't want to do that anymore. So he doesn't want like any filming in his home. So we're actually going to go to Malibu. Can you go to Malibu? Um, and it was a lot of back and forth like that for a while until finally they settled on, a, I guess they convinced him or he decided that um, he was willing to open up his home to the camera crew in Minneapolis, uh, right outside Minneapolis. And so that took, that was like a few weeks. There were times where it was like, we're not going to do any filming because of COVID and the pandemic. And we're just, we'll just do a zoom interview. Thankfully I was able to go. Um, and I mean, in prepping for the story, there's so many different angles that you can hit with someone like Kevin Garnett. And I read uh, every SI profile on him, every article that I could find about KG throughout his career, looking for little tidbits that I would like for him to just kind of reflect on. Cause my angle heading in was like, okay, I just want this guy to like talk about his career and talk about his life and talk about himself. Cause that's what I'm most fascinated in with him. A lot of times that he does public um, interviews, you know, he'll comment about people will ask him about like, you know, what do you think about Giannis? What do you think about Russell Westbrook? What do you think about the Celtics and the heat and all that? Talk and about all that's yeah. <laughs> all that stuff's like wonderful. Cause he gets to talk about it. And I just, I love, I can hear him talk about anything, frankly. Um, but I was trying to do something new and something that I was personally more fascinated in and, and by, which is him. And I mean, this guy, the way that he emoted on the court versus how private he wanted to be off it was always so fascinating to me. And that one of my first questions to him was how, like, how he processes that part of himself. And he was just like, I did not know we were going to go that deep today, but he like clapped his hands. He's like, all right, let's go. Let's do it. And I was like, okay, this is, this is going to be great. But <laughs> did, you, I, did you smoke I, any weed while you were there? Um, I can't definitively say yes or no to that. Uh, there was a smell as I was walking out the door, <laughs> but. Um, walking out though. So yeah. Yes. But um, so so yeah, he, you know, I, I came into the interview, the first interview, um, I had my notepad, it was probably like 80 questions written out. Uh, I knew I wasn't going to get to all of them, but I mean, it was literally like a, a lifetime worth of me being curious about this person. He's one of my favorite players of all time. I think he's one of the most important players of all time. And that was kind of what I was trying to tell in the story. And so you know, you can really get bogged down in an, in an interview with him if you say like, like he'll go on a tangent and start telling stories and they're great. But when you have all these other questions you want to hit, it's really tough and you're not interrupting this person. That's <laughs> just not not going to happen. So it was it was it was um, I mean, I would say like from what I remember uh, being in his presence is everything that I, I thought it would be. He's, he's intimidating. He's hilarious. Um, he's super smart. Um, he's very energetic and it's all of that wrapped into one conversation, one sentence, honestly, it's like, he's, uh, he's everything I thought that it, it, he would be frankly. 
Any Prince stories? Did he hang out with Prince at all in, in Minneapolis? You know, he did mention Prince, and I don't remember the details of the story because, like, my head was just like. <laughs> I mean, it's just smoking like it was, as well. <laughs> <laughs> I was not. I was not. But um, I remember um, Prince did come up at one point, and he briefly. I, I don't want to say like what he said after because I honestly don't remember, but I do remember Prince Prince's name um, coming up, and we did talk a lot about. Um, Minnesota, what Minnesota meant to him as a child, um, not as, as a teenager, kind of, and then becoming um, the player and the man that he came to be. And, you know, talked a lot about Chicago, the move from South Carolina, where he grew up, um, how that shaped him. Uh, talked about, obviously, the trade to Boston and everything that happened after that. Um, talked about acting and uh, he's a great actor who was robbed in my opinion of an Oscar nomination <laughs> for Utkant gems. Um, so yeah, ran the whole full gamut there. And how nerve wracking has it over, you know, they keep pushing the release back and back. Like, did you have to rework this, the story at all? Or did it pretty much, you know, you know, obviously a lot of the stories held up perfectly. I imagine you didn't have to touch much, but did you like, how much was that a thought in your mind once you have all this and then you have to think about how you want to you know, present it as, as time wears on here. Yeah, I mean, I wrote a lot of it a long time ago, and I was just very nervous that um, he would scoop some of the things that he told me that he supposedly never said before. Um, because, you know, he did, like, for example, like, he did this interview with the New York Times a week and a half ago, um, and he talks about Ray Allen and... Paul Pierce, he talks a little bit about ownership with the Timberwolves and Alex Rodriguez. And I read that I like didn't breathe. I had my, my <laughs> I like held my breath and I read that whole interview because all I cared about were, well, there's a, there a lot of things in the story that um, I did not want him to expound upon in another outlet. Um, sure. I think like the Kobe stuff uh, he's mentioned before but not in great detail. So I was really, I was, I was a little nervous about that. Um, but I feel like we dodged a bullet and got really lucky that he didn't um, really open up about a lot of those things or other reporters didn't ask him about some of the stuff that um, we you did a better, you did a better job than all the other reporters is, is what we're That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> just, just cut to the chase. Um, um yeah, go ahead, Rich. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I mean, I don't know if, if we want to transition because I, I know coming into the season, Mike, and I don't know if that's some of your, your roots coming through, big big proponent of the Celtics. I think you were, you were higher on them than, than, than I think a lot of people, uh, mm. you know, nationally. But I, I, I mean, it's a slow start, but what, what are you seeing right now? Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you walking back your thoughts at all, or do you think it's just uh, – just takes a little bit of time. And certainly the defense looks like it's, it's coming around with most importantly. Um, but where, where are you at on the Celtics right now? And who do you want to call out? Like on, on the, the team? team? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Just generally. <laughs> Continue the theme. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I thought that there were some things about the Celtics that would be more seamless. I thought that 
maybe unfairly that Jason Tatum would look a little different and just be a little bit more mature in terms of how he plays the game. Uh, like if I look a little different, (laughs) I was, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I I was, I was, yeah. And frankly, like, you know, we're, we're very early in the season still. And I know that it is what it is in terms of people like us covering the league and like making these judgments on everything. But if you look around the, the NBA, so many superstars are having atrocious starts to this season for a variety of reasons. And so I'm not like panicking about Tatum's field goal percentage or his three point percentage or anything. But when I watch him play, I am also kind of like, he just doesn't make the right decisions as consistently as the Celtics frankly need him to. And that's a little bit I still think like, you know, as you said, the defense is the best in the NBA since um, that loss in Chicago, which really could have broken the team. Um, They bounced back from that. I think they're third in net rating since that game Uh, should have beat the Mavs or could have beat the Mavs uh, and just kind of had a brain fart at the end there. Um, But yeah, like, I would say, you know, if they still finish, if they finish third in the East, I wouldn't, I, I frankly wouldn't be stunned. I think that the whole conference, the whole league really is just this like snow globe right now. And um, like, I don't know how anyone could look at the Wizards or the Bulls and be like, oh yeah, like they're definitely going to stay, you know, uh, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 games above 500 through the rest of the season. I just, I don't, or in first place in second place. I don't know about that. Um, so I think a lot is still up in the air. I think my reasons for optimism were founded. Um, and you know, there's still a lot to be, um, pretty optimistic about like Al Horford looks great. Uh, and he's not shooting the ball. Great. A lot of players on the team aren't shooting the ball. Great. But like the way he moves, the way he's, um defending has been great when they switch their switch defense has been terrific on par this season so yeah i just think like things things take time they have a new head coach they're trying to figure things out um trying to integrate different pieces like dennis schroeder josh richardson who have come in from different styles of play and it's going to take some time but when healthy uh when tatum gets on the right track and looks like uh, a superstar, which I still think he is. Uh, this team will be fine. Rich, are you buying in at all after this last week? What's your read on what you've seen? But right I now? mean, buying in on what? On them, like, uh, yeah, just like writing that. I think you know, and then making the four. playoffs. No, not even that. I think. <laughs> I mean, uh, but, but for real, I mean, that, that, that's a conversation that, that you had to have, like a, avoiding a the play-in. I, I don't. I mean, I I certainly don't. I'm not comfortable saying that they're good and avoid, avoid the play-in. Um, because it's funny, it, it, you talk about Horford, and it's it's it's, and you mentioned like the shooting. It's so crazy how good he looks, and then to to watch that on a on a night to night basis, and then see that he's shooting like twenty five percent from three or whatever it is now, like that is unbelievable. Like you think if he could just shoot, oh, get get up to thirty. I don't know if he maybe did. I haven't I haven't checked. Well, how many did he hit against Toronto the other night? Is he up over thirty yet? No, no, he's at twenty five percent. 
25%. So, I mean, that that's uplifting. You want, it's one of those things you wonder if you might come back down to earth a little bit and you'd be like, okay, Al really saved them for the, for those first few weeks, help them stay afloat. Uh, I thought Schroeder has been great. Richardson looks a lot better than he did early on. Um, but there was still, I mean, we talked about how much, how much deeper they seem this year than last year. Um, but like Pritchard and Neesmith, not, and I know I read your mailbag, B-Rob, uh, on Mass Live, talking about whether Pritchard even has a role on this team. And I think it's fair to wonder how much he's even going to, how much he, he's even going to play. Go, I mean, going forward, as, as, as long as Schroeder is playing the way he is, uh, unless, unless he, Pritchard really starts shooting the ball better, he's not going to be a factor. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, think, I think that the Celtics are going to be better than they have been, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not ready to, to buy on, you know, a third seed. Yeah, I haven't seen enough there, um, but I don't know. I'm, I, I feel better than I did last week at this time. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah the the Pritchard point is really interesting one, Rich. I feel like since I think we even with Jalen Brown out, the fact that there it seems like only two of Neesmith, Langford, and Pritchard are going to play on every any given night because Richard and Schroeder are kind of locked in there for those. Like those are, those seem to be EMA's guys, which is, I mean, that's not a big surprise. It's like new coaches love veterans. Like, of course those guys are going to get the lion's share of minutes there. That's so, what coach Josh Richardson in Philadelphia. That's a good point. Yep. So he's got the experience. He's got the comfort level with him on top of it. And so, yeah, like, and so if they're going to go defense first, then if that's the case and Pritchard isn't in broken nose, Pritchard isn't hitting jump shots behind <laughs> that mask. He needs to like talk to Rip Hamilton or something like that to get a better model or something. But that's we talked about that. Have you guys had an opportunity to ask him about the mask or is it just sort no, of no? Cause he hasn't, we don't get to talk to him now. That's, that's the, the sucky part about the COVID world access is that, you know, if the guy's not playing, we're not going to get a talk to, chance to talk to him really. Um, but that, I think that'd be a really interesting question to ask him. So um, at the same time, do you guys want to guess what the, without, with Jalen out of the starting five, guess what, guess who the best three-point shooter is in the Celtics starting five right now and what they're shooting from the field. The best. In the starting lineup? In the starting, in the starting lineup. five? Yeah, without Jalen. Marcus at 32%. Mike? Uh, Schroeder at 36%. That is... Rich, you had the percentage right, 32%. Yes. Jason Tatum, 32%. You got oh. him, at, him at 32 Schroeder also at 32 Marcus Smart, 28%. Horford, 25%. Rob Williams has not attempted a three. In a related mm. story, the Celtics offensive rating is 22nd overall. So, And they're winning uh, games. And they're winning games. I think that that's the biggest <laughs> upside to me. Like, the fact that there have been this – they were this bad defensively just for the first six games until they figured it out after the Marcus callout. Um, but they still they have still been dog shit offensively for most of these games. And there's the fact that they're still right there right now is I think, I think should be a promising sign. Cause I can't, they can't shoot, keep shooting this bad. I would think, right, Mike, like this, this has to, but I don't know the, the longer this goes, I, you don't have to like, you don't write the track record of the guys that you have to hope turn it around here. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to shoot the three ball this poorly all year long, that's going to be a problem. Um, I think, you know, their identity might just be, we're going to have a top five defense we're going to run off our top five defense, which they haven't done at all. And, you know, we're not going to give up anything easy. We're not going to foul. We're not going to give up transition, easy transition buckets, which they've done. 
Um, if they clean that stuff up, then like, I still think like fundamentally on offense, they should be able to generate good looks and they don't need to take the shots that they've taken. IE the ones that, um, Jalen takes sometimes and the one that's the majority of the ones that Tatum takes, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what the ceiling is for this offense. Um, that could be tough and it would be nice if they had another, like just another connector. And I don't know who that's going to be. Like, it would be nice if, if it was Josh Richardson, if it was Romeo Langford, just someone who can like keep the ball moving, um, in an offensive possession, uh, someone who can like beat a closeout and make a play after drawing two. I don't, like, I just don't know who could, who that can consistently be. And then, I mean, it kind of goes back to, okay, this team still needs like Jason Tatum to attack them more. And I know that that's just like a, a kind of a reductive thing to say, but this team's not getting into the basket um, really at all. And it's really tough to forget about the three point shooting if you don't get to the rim, it's just really difficult to have an effective offense in today's NBA. We can't close this out without, I think, spending two minutes on the Ben Simmons here. Cause I want to, cause I want to, I want to throw it to Rich here. Cause Rich brought this up in the summer. The like Celtics potentially sniffing around Ben Simmons, obviously without Jalen Brown involved. So I think the question to both of you here, is this going to get ugly enough for Daryl Morey where a Celtics, you know, hodgepodge offer becomes potentially enticing down the road. If it, if it, if that's knowing that the stock of the guys involved and knowing that it probably have to take a third team involved to with all the moving parts um, connected there would, what, what it will start with Fritcher. What would you, you were on this early. What would say yeah. on this? I mean, if it, I think if it gets to the point where, where Daryl needs to potentially accept the hodgepodge, I think there are better hodgepodges out there. Right. I would imagine. I mean, what, like what we're talking Marcus, Rob, and some picks, right? That's and, and, and Pritchard and Neesmith. I don't know. Throw one of those guys in. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, I think that's what we're talking about. I would assume that he can probably get a little bit better. Why would I they would even love... want Rob Williams, though? Right. Just you'd have to get Rob to a third team, right? Like that, that'd be the, you'd have to, because you're not going to, if Rob's the best player involved there, you're not going to have a use for him more than 15 minutes a game. What's the Team X giving up for Rob to send to Philly? Yeah, that's what that's what I mean. I just or I feel like, and it sucks because for so long, for the bulk of the time that we we did this podcast, when the three of us were were talking, the Celtics were always a team that no matter who came up, they had the assets to be at the top of the list. But I, I just, it's just not there anymore. It, it, it seems so. I, certainly, they'll make a run. That they were Simmons, but uh, ultimately, especially if Daryl's where he is now, and I don't know, Pino, what do you think? Like, what have you heard? What will it take? for Daryl to get realistic about this, do you think? And because right now, I mean, no one's I, is McCollum even, even too much. Probably. Is that, is that, is that, that to me seems like the best case scenario, what you're going to get for Ben Simmons right now, a guy who hasn't played in however long and doesn't seem to, I don't know if you can trust him. I'm going to make a deal and trust that this guy's going to come and and be the, the Ben Simmons that he was for his first handful of seasons in the league. Well, I mean, you know, 
from the Celtics perspective, what you really got to hope for here is for Neil O'Shea to get fired, for Danny Ainge to get hired, Danny Ainge to be so desperate <laughs> that he wants. Um, actually, I was just in my head just making a fake Dame Lillard to the Celtics trade. Oh, there you go. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. Forget about that. Um, that's, the that's where my mind was going. Tatum, Tatum, um, Tatum, but... for, Tatum for Dame. <laughs> No, D- Danny loves Marcus Smart, man. Come on, let's. Yeah. Hey, and everyone's for Smart. That CJ is 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 Elshay's guy, right? So like, if that I mean, happens, look, yeah. Like if you're if you're Portland, you know that trade makes a lot of sense in my opinion. It just it just does. Like CJ's your been your best player this season, but Anthony Simons has looked apt like tremendous. Um, and if you were to give up CJ, you know, Amber Simons isn't as good as CJ for sure, but he can slide into that role. You can do a lot of different things with Simmons and he can alleviate a lot of your, your, your core issues as a basketball team right now. Um, he can't make Dame shoot like Dame normally does, which is like the number one problem with that team. But I think he would help a lot of the things that are terrible on the defensive end. But yeah, like I, I, you know, in the hodgepodge conversations, I just don't know how the Celtics stack up. I don't think that that makes a lot of sense for Philly. I don't know when Daryl is going to like what, at what point it like they reach a point where, okay, we have to, we got to just get what we can get for this guy. Cause he's never going to play for us again. And like, we're still pretty good. Like we're, we're, we're too good to like tank. That's just like not an option for us. So we also can't like squander Joel Embiid's prime at all. So like, I don't know, like I've been right before the season started, I was beating the, the Simmons for Gordon Hayward and miles bridges drum, but like miles bridges is like, that's not happening. I still think a player like Gordon Hayward would be really nice in Philly. Um, and Simmons and Charlotte would be terrifying. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, they have a terrible defense and they want to run and pass and everything. I mean, it was just, it's like an absolutely perfect fit. Um, so that would be fun. But I, I don't know. Like, are you getting an all star caliber player? How can Bad, you? Brad I, Beal's I, going nowhere. Like, and, and not, not to mention that, like, you know, and a lot of people think, and maybe in some ways it's true that Simmons is kind of playing the Sixers and, and people are accusing him of using mental health, you know, but clearly if you watched him play last year in the playoffs, that is not a mentally, I'm going to say stable, but like hundred percent mentally healthy dude out there. Like clearly there is something to, to him. I don't want to say mental illness, but he's got, he's got some things that he's got to deal with to be able to be himself on the court. And we don't have the proof that he's there yet. And he keeps saying like, I'm not, it's so hard. We don't, we don't know what's really going on. Who knows what Rich Paul is, is, is saying with the strings that he's pulling, but he says he doesn't feel well enough to play. The last time we saw him on the court, he did not look well enough to play. So I don't know. Like I can say, I don't know how any team is going to come in, certainly not give an all-star, but any like really legitimate piece to roll the dice on Simmons right now. And again, and that's what I think what Maury hoped is that he'd come and play for Philly and show teams that he could do it and work his way out of the, out of there. But that clearly that's not happening. Yeah, I mean, I think the mental health conversation is very thorny. You want to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. You should give everyone the benefit of the doubt if they stay 
um, if they use mental health as a, re a reason for why they can't perform in any function of, of life. So that would be like step one, just my thoughts about that. But you're right, like I don't, we don't have a lot of information there. We can only go on what is being leaked by, um, I guess both sides, the team <laughs> and him in this uh, increasingly contentious dispute. But I think that if you are a team that is trying to trade for Ben Simmons or interested in Ben Simmons, like these reports certainly don't make you want to add to your initial trade offer to the Sixers because what exactly are you acquiring with Ben Simmons? Um, would he suddenly just, if he were to go to Portland, is he going to play the day after he's traded for, I don't I know based on everything that has been reported about it and what Rich Paul said on the record, I don't think he'd be ready to play basketball immediately. So when is he going to be ready to play basketball? And I think that those are questions that you just uh, have to ask yourself as an organization that's trying to trade for him. So I don't know when this is going to end. I don't think it's going to end anytime soon. And um, I think the Sixers are just in a really difficult position that they did not anticipate being in. And like you said, Mike, if, if they're, they, you don't want to waste a year of Embiid's prime in a wide open Eastern conference. And that is what they would be doing if they kind of stand pat here and don't, you know, lower down the asking price. And so you combine that with the fact that it's going to be tough for all these teams, like who can justify making of this deal. Who's, who's a team that, you know, definitely wants to give up good value for Benson's that has that he's on the right timetable with the rest of their core as they go forward and stuff like that. It's if you go through it, it's, it's like a shorter list than you think of teams that are, you know, probably willing to do that at this point without, you know, knowing that they're going to have to talk to him and want, know that he wants to go there. And so if Gary Washburn leash putting that little nugget in his article this week too, saying that Ben Simmons is interested in Boston, that makes me think this is something that like <laughs> with, I wonder, you know, you're like, Oh, I wonder where he got that. Like if this drags on into January, then like, it's certainly not worth watching now. But if things are still kind of met with Celtics then um, and Philly's still playing well, that, that's when things get a little more interesting, I think. You talk about potentially wasting a year of Embiid's prime. Like, I guess anything other than a title maybe is doing that or, or a serious run. But how often do we see these teams make the huge deal midseason and then that year gel immediately to the point where you're ready to, to, to contend? That's why like, I think it would have made more sense to get out of the way early but pina do you have any insight into like any actual real offers that maury had at any point this offseason i don't know whether it's the brogdon or, or whatever it was anything that was actually on the table for him to turn down or now is it still just kind of speculation and no i mean i think there's been a lot of conjecture out there you you mentioned um the brogdon trade i think there was some offer with the Spurs that just never seemed like it made a lot of sense for either side. Um, I mean, a lot of teams that, you know, Cleveland, and then there's like the whole Colin Sexton thing, um, the Kevin Love thing. I think a lot of those ships have sailed though, for a variety of reasons. I don't know what the status is of any of, I mean, you got also the Warriors and their ownership came out and, 
shut down all rumors for possible trade packages for Simmons because they already have Draymond Green and ownership doesn't think that Draymond Green and Ben Simmons can play together. So yeah, it's just, it's a, it's like this never ending conundrum seemingly for Philadelphia. Um, you know, Ben Simmons for Kyrie Irving. Let's do it. Just I like, I like get that. It one. Over I, with. I, I threw that one out there at some point. <laughs> It's just like, yeah, you know, I think that living in New York and the mayor that was just elected is such a wild card human being that if I were the Nets, I'd be like, all right, well, hold on to Kyrie. We'll see how this thing shakes up here. But because he's not getting vaccinated, but the mandate might change. Um, But didn't he say the last I saw, he said that he wasn't going to change anything, but you still just don't know. Dude. You gotta watch watch him talk though. Like you that like you can see the, the transcript of what he says versus watching the actual interview. And this guy is I, I we don't need to get into like a New York mayoral uh politics podcast. That's not, not, not really what I'm trying to steer this conversation into. But if this guy came out tomorrow and he was like, Yeah, actually what I said the other day, because I don't I honestly don't think he's like educated on the issue and doesn't know where he I take his first three years of salary in crypto, I heard, and then he found out that that's not legal. Exactly. Yes, he says a lot of things. <laughs> cool. Uh, good times. All right. Good times in America. Very good well, times. All right. So we'll keep a bonnet there. Any, any closing thoughts here before beyond telling everyone, if you haven't checked it out yet, obviously, GQ Sports, Kevin Garnett is still breathing fire. Been a talk of the web this week, Michael Pina. Um, just the world wide web. The world wide web. The whole world is the whole world is. And and I'm sure Sports Illustrated is thrilled, Mike, that you're giving GQ all this all this great pub. Even though it is good, now they can, you know, just show you off even more. So that's the ultimate the ultimate win-win for you, regardless. As the 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 other the other big talk around the, the world wide web is this is my last my last winning place podcast. That's uh, a big reason we had Pina in here as well. We've got a oh my good! This is the last one. This is the last. This is the last. Well, uh, who knows? What? Wait, maybe, maybe I'll pop on randomly in the future, and this will be a, an Easter egg or surprise for anyone who made it this far into the into the episode. <laughs> we're we're gonna find out who our true our true fans are uh, if if they get the news. But yeah, it's been a nice run. When, when did we start this? Was it seventeen, sixteen? Yeah, Mike, I think our first episode, it had to be during the year you were covering the Celtics in Boston, right? So that was, was that like 16, 17? Yes, yes. That was when I was in Boston. The Isaiah Thomas season. The Isaiah Thomas, that's right. We've been through IT. We've been through Kyrie, Gordon's broken leg. God, the memories. Not a, the only thing we didn't see was a title. That, that was, was no title. Got close in the earliest. Got closest in the early days. 1718. Do you think how old how old do you guys think you'll be when when you see the Celtics win another championship? Do you do you think that you necessarily will? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, you know, I you know, went I guess the gap between 80 what was it 80 22 years, 86 and 08. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there'll be another one. Tatum's too good. Jalen's too good. They just need another star. That's all. Not no, no, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> and is 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 Bradley Beal that star? Because that's that's I mean, and that's part of getting kind of bummed out about the way Tatum's looked like the first few weeks. I'm like, all right, so 
the the ideal with him now is that we bring on his like anti-vax buddy who like i don't know for me i just it's just like to me that the, I'm, I'm not feeling like that's necessarily championship material i don't know if Beal is going to be that piece that puts him over the top and if he's not like i don't know we gotta wait for the next uh for we gotta wait for deuce potentially <laughs> deuce tatum i mean yeah i just i th- it would you just look at how they've drafted over the past um, past few years, and it just really brings into focus how important the draft is and hitting picks, like adding, like you know, Carson at the Carson Edwards for Thibault trade. It's just like you look at that, and it's just like I'm not saying that Thibault is the was the missing piece between whatever they are now and the championship, but that's bad um and bane desmond bane looks like i mean he's he's incredible he's like he's great um and again this isn't like Giannis, where like no one had heard of him like i think a majority of celtics fans who like somewhat follow the draft or care about we're saying hey let's get bane like he's a guy that fits what we need right now you know what i mean that exa- just makes it even yeah more exactly egregious. and you know you could have had, well, you couldn't have had, but you came close to getting someone like Tyler Hero, and you didn't. Um, and those are, it's like you, you could have had Sadiq Bay, And I'm not saying Sadiq Bay is like Michael Jordan, but I'm just saying these are the, these are the players who could have really elevated you and made your, just made the roster seem more deep than it is. Like Sadiq Bay would not have been a total, not a, I don't want to say Neesmith is like a total question mark, but like it's really not in, in the rotation consistently. Sadiq Bay would have been playing 30 plus minutes a night for this team. Like that's, that's, that's just reality. So that stuff is just, you know, it's frustrating. Um, but I still think there's plenty of time given where Tatum and Jalen are on their timelines. And if you just look at, you know, if this team is competitive, and another star or a young player who gets a little disgruntled looks over and says, you know, I want to be the missing piece in Boston. And I think that that is perfectly like viable as a potential route for this team. I don't know who that star is, but I was going to ask you that question is if there's one name that could jump out to you as potentially like, no, I mean like Siaka, like the, the, the guys, in, no, like the guys in my head, I'm not saying that there's like any connection at all to Boston, but like there are players who are stars in this league who, you know, the Donovan Mitchells, the Carl Anthony Townses, potentially, um, uh, you know, Devin Booker, potentially. I don't know if those are great fits, but like all great fits, but like there's a lot of really talented players in this league who could be looking for different places to play at some point and you know i i think boston could be a pretty attractive place given the respect level that a lot of these guys have for udoka given the talent level that tatum has and his ceiling and what his trajectory can still be and you look at how good he is now versus how often we're complaining about his game and it's like pretty wild given his age and everything he's already accomplished in the league. Um, Jalen just gets better and better and better and better every year. So I don't think they're that far. 
I don't think they're there or like necessarily close, but I don't think they're that far. It's the start. I mean, the, the thing that hurts now is the starts with the Bulls and the Wizards and all these teams this year. I mean, who knows how long this is going to last, but like Zach Levine's probably another name you could add. I don't know how high you guys are on him, um, but that's like a free agent that you wonder if he could be a third piece. But now it looks like he'll have no real reason to leave Chicago anytime soon either. Yeah, I, I, I like the thing with like Levine and Beal. Like, I, I would like a third piece more like in the Draymond mold, you know, not, not, not everyone would. <laughs> no, but you know, but someone that doesn't need the ball, someone, you know what I mean? Someone yeah. that is going to be a very comfortable offensively being a very clear third option, even fourth option, right? In, in Draymond's case, sometimes, but just a, a very selfless kind of guy isn't used to being having the ball isn't used to being the number one on his team i just see i mean there's a, people talk about there's enough overlap between jalen and jason i mean you throw bradley or or, or zach into the equation i just seem so you're yeah, on the i mean i, I i'm you're on personally the not like yeah well i first of all i think ben simmons would be an okay fit i i do um but like, you know, I'm not I don't get too upset about like the fit issues with Tatum and Jalen. Um, and if you were to add another like if you just watch like how Zach Levine and how um, Bradley Beal play, like I, don't, I just don't think that there would be that big of an issue offensively. But and it's like in this league, like talent and, and as long as you have space and you have talent in that space, like you're going to be great. And so, yeah, but like, it's, it, it might come down honestly to like, okay, really what is Rob Williams? Like is Rob Williams going to be like, can he be better than what we saw from Deandre Ayton in last year's playoff run? Like, is he going to be better than um, like way better than the best that we've ever seen from Clint Capella? Like those are the questions. Ben that Wallace might- essentially. Yeah, like just like what is his what is his ceiling? How are you like? Is it is it valuable to unlock all the elements of his game, or have him be like tightly constricted and just maximize one or two areas? Like um, how he develops, I think is critical, frankly, for the next for this season for for next season. Um, and yeah, like. I don't know. Like you also just go, we go back and we look at, okay, not paying Horford. Interesting. Not paying Terry Rogier, whatever, not, not paying Gordon Hayward, a uh, clear mistake in my opinion. Um, so there's a lot of things you can look at from the past few seasons that got us to where we are that are um, tough to bounce back from, from, for any organization, but given the loss of talent and how they've bled it, like, where they are right now isn't it simultaneously isn't a shock and it isn't uh, like any reason to, to panic either. It's, it was a talent drain. And like you said, you need a lot, like you said, I think Rob Williams, that's probably their biggest upside bet right now out of the non-obvious names here. Um, Cause I mean, Neesmith, Pritchard, Langford, I think those guys have plenty of room to develop here, but I don't think they're going to, ever become more than you know an nba starter like a solid nba starter as their as their upside rob williams obviously i think can go beyond that and that's where he becomes interesting down the road so 
um, it is a, it is a interesting year from that standpoint to see how those, all those pieces just bounce back and how they're valuable determine, help determine what this team could do next, I guess, even in season. All right, so, Rich. Rich, what's, Rich yeah, so is this, is this, why does this have to be, what, what is going on? I, I've missed the, the train and what's the backstory on your departure here? What's good? What's, what's the uh, light, Are you running for office? I am, yes, and I can't have them surfing through our old <laughs> podcast. I feel like the, the fucking uh, Jeopardy uh, host. Um, <laughs> no, man, just, 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 just a lot. Life is my is is my excuse. You know, I had zero children when we started this podcast. True. I have amassed true. I have amassed three little girls, seven Incredible. and under, since uh, since that uh, that fateful first show. Yeah, man, it's just a little, the the out here on the west coast it gets harder to uh to coordinate mm-hmm. times and it's just just a lot i want i wanted to be able to give our listeners the the best and celtics coverage i wasn't so sure that i'm able to do that as much anymore i disagree with that last point but so do i, I get yeah yeah it's a, not, that's not number one it's just it, it, like it, it's just a, a a bunch of factors and like i said we'll see well like if uh if B Rob needs a stand in every once in a while, I can pop in. But for the most part, I need to. And, and honestly, I've, I'm a little drained. Like, like this the, and this is just comes with any like day to day with the team. But just the, the discourse kind of brings me down. It makes me sad. In some ways, I hate having to talk about bad things when they happen, especially when it oftentimes are so. <laughs> but but really though, I mean, I, I when oftentimes are so fleeting. Right. Are I, you I talking about sports or life? uh sports i mean that's part of it but, but 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 what i mean is that there's enough shitty stuff in life to 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 worry about where i or sure. i don't feel like adding to that with you know criticizing 23 year old multi-millionaires for not shooting a ball enough and i, I say it's much more than that but i think that especially with the way things have gone recently with the celtics just brings me down a little bit. I, I don't know. Like I feel like it, that compared with having to be my best self for those aforementioned children, uh, it just felt like the time was right. Like there's a changing of the guard. The Celtics. We saw Danny leave. We saw Brad go uh, up to the booth. Maybe maybe uh-huh. this is like me ascending to uh, <laughs> president of uh, podcast operations for the sure. for the winning plays. But at this moment, I feel like my yeah my inner peace and the and the podcast and the the entity called the winning place podcast formerly the big three podcast uh everything might be better for a little bit without uh i mean i without without rich stepping aside for for a little (laughs) we all know that won't be the case but regardless uh (laughs) yeah we'll see you might you might be surprised well listen so Maybe we'll call, like, I'm, I'm calling this a soft retirement by Rich. Is this is that fair, Mike? Should we just call this a soft? I like that. That's like, soft. Uh, the door open. Keeping sort of like stepping a, away for family for reasons and um, reevaluating. It's like it's like, it's like when Daryl Morey stepped away from the Rockets. Right. You'll be back in what twenty minutes? You'll yeah. be fine. Or maybe yeah. like, maybe like we'll call it like a Phil Jackson. I'll I'll yeah. disappear, smoke a bunch of weed. Celtics <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> are going to roll off ten wins, and then Rich is going to be back in, in three weeks. Here, this is. This is gonna be just- no. If 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 I leave and the Celtics start winning, the last thing I'm gonna do is come back. Okay. Like that is that is the universe just reinforcing what my, my gut, what my gut is telling me right now. 
if uh, if if me leaving changes the 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 the, the mojo around this team. But whatever, I'll 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 be around. I'm sure that I'll pop up in this Zoom box at some point before uh, before the end of the season. Um, yeah. yeah, that's all good. I, I appreciate everyone who's listened to all these years. So we said it's around 17, 16, 17. It's about to be 22. So is that five, six years? That's wow. that's six seasons. We're in the midst of 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Yeah, so in the midst of our sixth season. Um, well, and, and winning plays will have, I won't be nearly as good without Rich and Mike, but you guys will be. I will demand recurring appearances, even if you stick to your, if your soft retirement becomes hard, Rich. I was still. Okay, whoa. Hey. Like, I mean, oh, as you, as you say that, should we talk about KG having orgasm? And oh, yeah, that's where we forgot to cover that one. So, so well, let's end with that, Pina. You said that he, he made reference in your interview to how Arnold Schwarzenegger used to say that he would orgasm while pumping iron because he would just be so like invigorated by the experience. And then KG said he finally he got it. And did he mean that like, like he had that moment where he's like, ah, like. <laughs> Like this isn't sweat. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that was. I think I said this to you guys like early. Maybe this was off the air. It was earlier in this pod. I honestly can't even remember. But when we, when I sat down with all my questions for him, um, one of my first questions was just about, um, you know, what what fascinates me about KG is like that just like his intensity and like, where, where does that, where does that come from and how does he reflect on it? And just like, what is, what's the deal there? And how do you like turn that off and where does it go and all that? And he was, um, that was very early on in the interview and, you know, I was anticipating him given like a puff answer. The previous couple questions I asked, didn't really do anything for him. He was very, uh, you know, one, not one word answers, but like they weren't, weren't, weren't what I was looking for in an interview, really. Um, asked that question. He's surprised how deep I want to get. And then just goes on this monologue about um, pumping iron and <laughs> uh, makes one of his, you know, he's made some great analogies in his career uh that is that's top three for me i would say and i really appreciated uh being on the other end of it and having him tell it to me the analogy of him running through me talks about when you're in a dark room and you're just walking and you can't see anything and just getting your senses about you and then he says that that what happens when you start running full speed through that darkness i was just like doug that I got that. I that, I felt that. To me, that was that yeah. was. Fantastic. But yeah, I mean, th- you think about it, like not knowing what's in front of you, you're just running full speed. You know, whatever it is, I'm gonna have to go through this. And that really is the way he played. That's the way we podcasted. I think from from one hundred percent off yeah. the cuff, Shut no the organization off. whatsoever. No. <laughs> the lights are off. It's uh, it's madness. It's chaos. That's how you got to cool. do it. Well, it's been a pleasure. No, the pleasure. It has been an absolute pleasure. Um, Again, check out Mike's stuff at SI at Open Floor Podcasts. As always, everyone who listens to this pod regularly should be listening to those or reading him in there. Anyway, Rich, it's bittersweet. It's been a hell of a run. I'm I'm sitting considering this goodbye for now, but um, <laughs> this is uh, B Rob. Are you crying? Um, listen, 
I'm trying to make through this, Mike. Come on. <laughs> but no, it's been an absolute uh, blast with both of you guys, obviously, over the years. Um, and Fantastic. Rich, more specifically. And winning plays will live on with, um, should we call it a hodgepodge of, of sinners? <laughs> whoever, whoever's willing to talk with me. Yeah, um, in the future, Marcus Smart and Rob Williams. Marcus Smart and Rob Williams. Yeah, they'll be on now. But um, yeah. But in the meantime, um, thanks again to everyone for listening. Thanks again, Rich, and go check out Mike on KG if you haven't yet.